Well, we're, uh, we are today in our third message in a four-part series uh, called I Choose. And if you've missed uh, the first two, we do have the second one up online now. You can go listen to if you care to do that. You may not care to, and that's fine. Uh, but what we're talking about is that every day we face choices that we have to make. And we are inundated with the number of choices. We don't even realize it. And sometimes we stress over some of the small choices of life, truly are small Little, not a big deal. Um, you know, when you go to lunch today, you look at that menu, it's going to be full of stuff. And then, man, what do I get? And sometimes that, that can be a stressor. I don't know, maybe if I get the wrong thing, uh, this will change my life. Maybe it won't. Uh, but the truth is, there's a lot of decisions that we, we make, and we don't even realize we're making. They fly under the radar. And these are sometimes the decisions that really impact who we become. When you look at your life, you really are, at some degree, the, the sum total of your choices and the way you respond to the things that you couldn't choose. Uh, we talked about in this series choosing purpose over popularity. And we talked about last week choosing surrender over control. Um, and next week we're gonna, we're gonna finish it up. I don't know if you're like me, you got a lot of things going on. I got four kids, so I'm busy running here, there, all these things, you know, forgot this, can you bring it up to the school? I mean, I don't know if any of my kids would do that, but hey dad, can you run here, can you go there? You know, forgot my ID. I've always got, you know, feel like I'm running crazy. Maybe you're feeling the same way. Um, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're past that season. Everything's just peaceful. You can just sip your tea in the morning or coffee. And just relax, look out in the trees and just, I mean, I wish I was you. One day I'll get there. But for me, I mean, there's always the urgent going on. But we're going to talk about next week, we choosing the important over the urgent. Because a lot of times we're driven by the urgent and not the important. And so, but this week, I don't really have a great... Uh, positive intro. Uh, if I were Joel Osteen, I would be failing you here because this is not a Joel Osteen intro. If you want one, you'd have to check him out later. But my intro here basically is this. Here's the breaking news. If you have your note sheet, you can follow along here if you care to do that. And so here's breaking news. In this life, you will have pain. Be encouraged, Connie. You will have pain. She's like, I know, my back <laughs> all the time. In this life, you will have pain. You're going to have pain. And, uh, you know, if you're a Gamecocks fan, you have pain all the time. That's just part of it. Um, you know, Jesus actually said this in John 16, He said, in this world, you'll have trouble. Oh, well, thanks, Jesus. I thought Jesus was positive, positive and encouraging. Well, he is encouraging. He says, take heart. I've overcome the world. So he does encourage them. But... He gives them reality as well. It's not in this world you will have bubbles and rainbows and lollipops. No, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus can help us with our pain. But here, here's the thing. There's a lot of types of pain that you cannot control. You know, you have difficult circumstances. Maybe you're part of a freak accident. Um, I, I read sometimes on the news, it's, it's, this high school kid died on the football field or something. My goodness. My son plays football. I mean, that's like crazy. It's freak accidents. I mean, outside of your control, the pain of that. Sometimes the choices of others have caused pain in your life. There's nothing you can do about that. You were not in control of their choice. Betrayal, sickness, seeing those that we love suffering. I mean, that, that causes pain. And there's nothing we can really do about that. But what I want to talk today is about a type of pain that you can choose. 
Some pain is in the realm of our control. You know, think about it this way. You can choose the pain of obeying your parents, Dave, if you're, if you're a young person. Yeah, a few people here. Um, or you can face the consequences, the pain of the consequences later. You can choose the pain of living within your means, living on your budget. Talk about a little bit about budgets on, on our Friday night discussion. You can choose that pain of living on your, on your budget or the pain of debt later on. You can choose your pain. You can choose the pain of studying for your exam, working hard, preparing, or maybe it's a work coming with your presentation, putting all this stuff together. Or uh, you, can, you can experience the pain of failure or retaking the class or whatever it might be. You can choose your pain. And so this is the type of pain I want us to focus on. You can choose the pain of discipline. This is number one here. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. You can choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. You might think, well, what do you mean by discipline? Brandon and I, I think he had to head out to work. We were talking about this uh, this morning. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, just kind of taking it when someone has to discipline you, you know? Like, back when I was a kid, you know, dad comes up with a belt. I'm like, all right, I just choose my discipline. I'm, you know, you know, you get whipped. No, that's not necessarily what we're talking about. Not, you know, that type of discipline, although that, that comes. Um, we're talking about discipline. Let me give you a working definition of discipline. It's not as much punishment uh, or external things, but it's this. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. As human beings, we have a vast sum of wants in our life. We want a whole lot of different things. Sometimes these things are in conflict with one another. Often they are. You may want to get in shape, look good, but you may also want 12 dozen donuts. That's a lot, that's 144 donuts right there. Maybe you don't want that many, but maybe just a dozen would be fine, or two. We, we want all sorts of things, that, and the way we orient our life toward our wants really shapes who we become. Number two, it's this discipline that allows us to filter our wants and focus on the wants we want most. So this, this discipline, we engage and have discipline in our life that lets us filter the wants that we have that come our way and focus on the ones that we want most. Without discipline in our lives, we are trapped in the tyranny of the moment. We're stuck just whatever we're feeling and that's, that moment is what we're going to end up doing. Let me share today with our message, I want to share just kind of two, a window into two different people in the Bible. The first one is in the New Testament. This is the Apostle Paul. You don't know much about the Apostle Paul. He was uh, formerly, before he became the Apostle Paul, he was uh, a Pharisee and a very, very um, belligerent opponent to Christianity. You may know this if you've been in the church for a while, but this guy hated Christians. He wanted to destroy the early church, putting, killing them, putting in jail, whatever he could do to destroy the church. But God got a hold of this guy's life, transformed him. Jesus appeared to him. And he was a, a different person. He was blinded and healed of blindness. He, uh, he began to uh, journey with the Lord. He, it says that he was caught up. At one point he talks about being caught up into the third heaven, which I'm not even sure what that means. But it sounds like that's pretty, pretty awesome, pretty cool experience there. Uh, and he ends up writing about two-thirds of the New Testament and planting all of these churches all throughout the Roman Empire. 
I mean, if, if anyone had a relationship with Jesus, the Apostle Paul would be that guy. If anybody was a Christian, he's the man. He's the boss. Pa Apostle Paul would be a good guy to look at. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. However, just like the rest of us, Paul is also a real person. Okay, so he's also a human being. He's also someone that has wants in his life. And so we're going to read this. Paul talking about his own struggle. And some people in this passage in Romans 7 debate whether this was Paul before he was a Christian, after, whatever it might be. And, and so we, you can have that debate. But I think there's enough evidence to, to say that this was Paul at least at some level in his life when he wanted to follow the law of God because he talks about that. And so let's, let's look at it from that angle. And we're talking about his own struggle with discipline and choosing to do what he wants most, which is to follow God over what he wanted at that moment. It says this. It's kind of crazy in a way. And I'm going to read it from the New Living. I, I don't really understand myself. Verse 15 of Romans 7. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. How many of you have ever done that before? I want to do what's right, but instead I do what I hate. Maybe, you know, you ate the whole thing. You weren't going to eat the whole thing and you ate the whole thing. You know, maybe that's, uh, you know, it's an entry-level one there. But, uh, you know, I, I want to get up and exercise. I want to do what's right. I know that's good. I need to stay healthy. But I just can't wake up. I can't do it. You know, it's, it's too hard. I keep staying up late and I can't get my life organized and disciplined enough to do that. I, I know I want to not be so quick to speak and, and, and I need to bite my tongue. I need to be careful what I say, but I keep getting myself in that situation. I'm sharing too much or I'm, I'm inserting my opinion when it doesn't need to be inserted. And I can't quite get that thing together. You know, I, I want to resist temptation, but I, I, and there's moments where I'm weak and I give in. I want to... You know, turn off the TV, turn off my phone and spend time and have this family, this, this, have this ideal of what I want for my family. But I just can't quite ever week to week get that to happen because we get caught up in everything that's going on. We don't, we don't seem to get to where we really want to be. Truth is, at some level, the thing you hate is still something you want. Think about Paul. I keep doing what I hate, but at some level, he wouldn't do it if he didn't want it. It's just a different type of one. It's a momentary one. It's not a something that I want most. That thing you hate is at some level still has some hold on your life. But how much and for how long you want it, that's a whole different dynamic. There's things we want in a weak moment. There's things we, we want just when, when, we're, when we're not who we really are. But there's things that we truly want when we stand back and we get right with God, and that's what we really want. And that's what I'm talking about. We've got to orient our lives on the things we truly want so we don't get caught up in the things we want in a weak moment. Romans 7, 19, Paul continues, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Verse 24 says, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? You know, when we, when we live for the now, when we live for our want in this moment, we are going to be filled with regret. Regret is going to be what we have. It's going to be what we face. It's going to be misery. It's going to be what Paul says when we choose to live for the shallow, shallow and momentary wants of our lives versus what we want most. This is a silly illustration, but I used to 
I used to eat McDonald's. Now that Super Size Me uh, documentary really kind of turned that off, but there's a point in my life where, I mean, you get two McDoubles, two dollars. And I was, you know, hey, two bucks, cheap, can I save some money? Don't know anything about me, yeah, right? And, and it, I got to a point that I realized, yeah, these taste kind of good while I'm eating them. Who's ever eating McDonald's? It tastes, you know, it's not amazing. I know what good food tastes like. That's not really good, but it tastes pretty good when you're hungry. Got that cheese, got, you know, all that salt in there and everything, it tastes good. But man, you pay for it later. I know I do. I'm like, stomach ache. I'm like, oh my word. The same thing when you eat more than one hot dog at a time. You pay for it later. You can eat one hot dog. When you eat two hot dogs, you pay for it later or more. And so, man, I, I, would, I went through this thing. I, would, I was hungry. Man, I want to go get something that's two bucks, saving money. I don't want to go spend five bucks at, you know, for the foot long at, at the subway or whatever. Two dollars, saving three bucks. Get those McDoubles. Man, I'm hurting later in the afternoon. Oh, my stomach. And so over time, you realize, you know, I may want this. I don't really want this. And so that's part of that misery that comes when we, 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 we just choose that thing that's, that's cheap and easy. Um, there's always a price we pay later. But this is what Paul says. He says in Romans 7.25, he says this. Who's gonna, who's, who will free me from this? His answer is this. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He didn't say, thank God, the answer is Barnes & Noble self-help book section. I found one finally that was pretty good. No, he says the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. In all of these things that we struggle with, in all of these wants and desires we have, the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. It always is and always will be. It's not just you figuring out a system, although that can be helpful. It's not just getting... Uh, you know, getting better, stronger, and though that can be good, the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. We got to fix our eyes on Him. Yes. When we want Jesus most, that will begin to rearrange the things in our lives and the choices that we make. If we can get our eyes on Him, we will begin to say, you know, Jesus is what I really want. I don't want all of this other stuff. I want to please Him. I want to live for Him. And that's what Paul lived out in his life. That's what Paul demonstrated as he began to to lead out in his life that. Jesus is what I really want. He went through so many different things where he could have given up the beatings, the sufferings, all the stuff he went through. But he had his eyes focused on Jesus. And he said, you know, that's what I want most. I want to please, I want to please Jesus. Jesus will help us. If you're here today and maybe this is a struggle. You can start to identify with this, this message. And, you know, this is a struggle that I'm in. I want to just say that's the, the key point of this. You take anything away. You got to get your eyes on Jesus. There's things that we can do that will help us, but we got to get our eyes on him. The second person I want to talk about today is, is Esau. Esau's in the Old Testament. We're going to look at a story about this guy. And, and last week we talked about Abraham. Abraham had a son. He had Ishmael. We talked about Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac had two sons that were twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau and Jacob. And so we're going to look at Esau and Jacob the uh, grandsons of Abraham in this in this text. It'll be in Genesis 5. Oh, I'm sorry, I have this wrong on your sheet. It's 25. Typo. 25, 29 to 34. It says this. Well, let, let me just set this up. You don't want to think about Esau and Jacob. Esau, the Bible says Esau was a manly man. He was an outdoorsman. It says that he was... Kind of like the first Chewbacca, in a way. Like he was, 
I, it says he was hairy and red. I don't know if he was like a brownish red or whatever, but he was a little bit like the Bible's Chewbacca. Now, I was trying to come up with a Star Wars thing for for uh, Jacob. I, didn't, I just couldn't do it. So I was going to say like Jar Jar or something, but uh, that, that's probably not right. Um, but Jacob was an indoors guy. He wanted the air conditioner turned up. You know, like, let's, let's stay inside. Let's play video games. Let's hang out with mom. And so the Bible says that he was a mom's boy. And dad favored Esau, Chewbacca, hairy, red guy, hunter, skilled outdoorsman. Mama favored Jacob, who was good with the dishes and the, you know, spices and could make a little, you know, whatever he could do. Bobby Flay. So here's, here's what happens. This is in verse 29 of Genesis 25. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, and he was like watching, you know, Food Network and doing this stuff. Esau came in from the open country famished. Now, who's ever been hungry? You know, there's a difference between hungry and hungry with an O. That has like another level of hungry, I think. I'm not sure, Darrell. I don't know. It is, okay. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, you have Thanksgiving traditions. Our Thanksgiving tradition, too, previously. Now it is to come to my house so we can kind of organize this. But back in the day, go to my mom's. Mom said, hey, we're going to eat at 1. Or let's make that one third. We don't eat till like 3.34. So you come, like, I don't want to eat a whole lot for breakfast because it's going to be Thanksgiving. You know, I don't want to ruin it. We're not eating till like, it's like dragging on. That's where the pain starts hurting. Man, I'm hungry. Let's do it. You smell all the food. It's sitting there waiting for something to get ready. Oh, we got to wait for this. To let's just eat. Come on. And it could be, be intense. It really can. So, so here's Esau. He's famished. He's hungry. He is ready to eat. And he says this, verse 30. So to Jacob, quick, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. So the Edom means red. So he's a hairy red. He's eating red stew. He's got ketchup all over. I mean, he's a red dude, I guess. All right, so look at this. He says quick. Like, I remember, I remember made a quick decision that wasn't your best decision. Like, split second, I oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. Sometimes our quickest decisions aren't our best. I mean, it's not, sometimes you have to make a quick decision. You're in that situation. But sometimes it might be good to not do quick. It might do think for a second. But he's on quick right now. And, and we can see that he's going to regret the quick. The speed at which all of this happens, he's about to rearrange the entire destiny of his family quickly. In a moment. Because he's hungry. He's going to rearrange. And we know that God is involved. I'm, not, I'm trying to look at the human side of this. The Bible talks about God's plan and all this. So I'm, we know that. But looks, looking at the human side, he's about to, to really reach, redirect the course of his life over a quick split second decision. This is what Jacob says. Verse 31. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. What? Now, birthright, we don't do birthrights as much. We do maybe an inheritance. Or, you know, if your folks had some stuff or, you know, they had a shed full of stuff. Hey, you get this, you get that. I mean, you know, clean it out. You're not holding this stuff. Um, but back then, that was a big deal. The, the birthright was for the, the firstborn. In this situation with two, it would be two-thirds of his father's possessions. You get a double portion. And not only just stuff, possessions, it was the blessing, the fatherly blessing that this line will be carried on through you. And so this is like a big big deal, and um, we're talking about soup, okay, like stew, and he's saying, first, why don't you give me all of that, 
for this bowl of stew. I mean, you would think anybody in their right mind would say, what? Come on, dude. I mean, you're, you're like a little wimpy indoor guy. I'm Chewbacca. Why don't I just punch you in the face and you give it to me? I mean, think about it. I'm trying to think of this story. Why don't you just punch him in the face and take it? You know, I don't get this. But he just says, this is what it says, verse, uh, verse 13. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? So he started to debate this, like, hmm, well, you know, if I die here, um, I don't get anything anyways. So his logic is all getting skewed. It's all getting messed up. Um, and, and, and so he's not thinking clearly. We can see this. Verse 33, so Jacob said, swear to me first. Let's make this official. Let's do a contract. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. He was flippant about his future. He was just saying, you know what? I don't even care. I don't want to care about right now. I don't even know if there is a future. I'm just living in the moment. It's all about the moment. YOLO. You only live once. <laughs> Stew is good. That's all I care about. Thir 34 says this. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. He didn't care about his future. He only cared about the moment. When you choose now over what you want most, you will regret it. It will cost you. You know, I, I, it's always good in a sermon. I heard this. You know, in a sermon, you throw in a quote. And, and Mark Twain, I always throw in Mark Twain for some reason. So I'm going to throw in a Mark Twain quote. Ready for that? I don't know if Mark Twain does anything, but they always quote him for some reason. So here we go. He said this, never regret anything that made you smile. And I was preparing for this, looking up different quotes. It's kind of, I'm thinking, you know what? That's actually really wrong. <laughs> you know, that's Mark Twain, but that's not true. You know, but really? And then you start, I start diving a little bit more. All right, so in our time, if you put a quote on a picture and post it, it's true. I mean, it's, oh, yeah, like, like, oh, yeah, oh, that's what I'm saying. No, so in our time, you, you quote something, put it on a picture, JPEG file, put it on there. You have truth. You've established truth. And actually, no, you have. That's not how it works. So here's some of these. I, didn't, I should have flashed them up there. I didn't do that, sorry. But you can hear them. Never regret. This is a person just ripping off Mark Twain. Never regret something that once made you happy. Tell that to Esau. I wonder how would he tell you. Uh, here's, here's the best one. Never regret anything. Anything. Because at one time, it was exactly what you wanted. Isn't that just deep, man? Just chew on that, baby. It's on a picture. It's on the internet. It has to be true. No, no, it's not. I mean, t try to sell this to Esau in his life. Hey, man, I know that all worked out a long time ago, but don't worry about it because you wanted that. In that moment, that's what you wanted. So it's cool. Think about your life. Does that even make sense? The stupid stuff you've done in your life? You wanted it in that moment, but that doesn't mean anything. No regret is real. You can't just wash it away. Don't regret anything. It's all right. You know, sometimes you just want to do that. And I believe God is gracious. God is merciful. God can right wrongs that we've made. I believe that. So I'm not trying to say that, you know, your history is written because you made a mistake. But regret is real. That's right. And there's things in our life that we do long ago that they can't be undone. That's right. let, me, let, me, let, me, let me just read what the New Testament says about Esau. Because it, it gives us a different picture than what these internet quotes would give us. 
Hebrews 12, this is on the top of your page here. Hebrews 12, 16 and 17. It says this, make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau. And we're going to look at those terms in a second. Who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance. Sometimes we think it's never too late, but maybe, maybe some things are. Even though he begged with bitter tears, Mark Twain couldn't help Esau. Internet was not invented, so could not help him either, but those quotes wouldn't have helped me either. Because he realized, you know, I, I just messed something up in my life that I'm not sure I can get back. And, and, and again, if I know we all come in here with stuff we've done, we, re, we regret, we, we don't want to focus on that necessarily, but as we look forward, we don't want to think that it, regret is not a real thing. That we can just do whatever we want right now and we'll get to where we want to be. We can choose our pain, we can choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. In the scripture, it's interesting. It describes Esau as being immoral and godless. That's how it's translated. The word immoral is actually the Greek word porneia. It's literally sexual immorality. And I don't really, that's stew. It's stew, it's not, it's not a sexual thing, it's, it's soup. So I don't know, where does that come in? Why was the New Testament called him that? And, and I was thinking about it, and, and really there, there's an overlap in sexual immorality and in what he was doing where it's only about my want right now. That's all I'm thinking about is right now. I'm only thinking about what in this moment I feel. And this is a description of Esau. This is a, a type of who he is. Is only thinking about right now, what I feel like right now, what I want to do, fixated on the moment and not thinking about what's right, what is good, what is honoring to God. The second word is godless. And really, this is an interesting word here. It's bebelos, literally translated to trample a threshold. To trample a threshold, which means to cross a line. Who's ever crossed a line? I know I have. Crossed many lines, and then the line after the line, and then the line beyond that line. This, this word is, is, is a disregard or disrespect for boundaries in our life. When you look at your life and, and boundaries, and we're just saying, you know what, I don't really care if there are lines, boundaries, whatever. I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing right now. I'm not paying attention to that. Other texts in the New Testament translate this word, this word as worldly. As, as no rules, no boundaries, no right, no wrong. Only what feels good to me right now in this moment. That's what that word means. That's what Esau represents to us. Interesting, huh? It says it was too late, and I, I've talked about this, but let me just say that do doors can be closed, can close in our lives all the time, and often we can be the ones slamming them shut. We can talk about huge things and small things. I mean, my, the door is closed for me to play college basketball. I just I came to grips with this this week. I still have four years of eligibility because I didn't play at all, so I probably still have four years of eligibility. I could go as a grad student, um, you know, USC, you need me. You know, I come play some ball. But you know what? That door is closed because I didn't train. I didn't discipline myself. I didn't really work at it that hard when that opportunity might have been somewhere. If I had really worked at it, I'm not incredibly athletic. I'm not incredibly tall. But I bet if I would have really put all my energy and discipline training into that, I could have played at some small college somewhere. I really do. Because there's a lot of colleges and there's a lot of open space. I may have sat at the bench. Who knows? But I probably could have done that. 
But I didn't, I didn't commit myself. I didn't train. I didn't do that. And that door is closed. No matter how hard I train now, that, that is not going to happen. That door shut in my life. And that's just a reality. And, and so we all face those sort of things in our life where we have to prepare for the future now if we want to get there. And if we let that window time, that door close, it's closed. God is able. Now, God is able to, to help us. God is able to heal us. God is able to uh, redeem things in our lives that we have we have ruined. I believe that. The Bible speaks that over and over and over. But like with, but like with Esau, that doesn't mean that everything can be erased. It doesn't mean that everything gets back to how it, 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 it could have been. God can make something brand new and something different, but God doesn't always fix everything that we've messed up. We have to look at our lives and say, Lord, here I am now today. I thank you, God, for bringing me here. I thank you, God, for your grace in my life now. But, Lord, how do you want me to walk now? What do you want me to focus on now? What is your purpose in my life now, now that I am here today? I can't do anything about the past. I can't do anything about the things and mistakes of the past, but I can do something about the future. And I want to do everything I can now to focus on where you are taking me now. That's what we got to do. We can't let regret bring us down and only focus on that. But we can't let it be a motivation to say, I don't want to be in that space again. I want to live a life that honors God. I want to focus on Jesus so I can choose what I want most every single day, not just what I want now. It was said, I think it's an anonymous quote, but it said that discipline weighs ounces. Regret weighs tons. In the whole scheme of things, discipline weighs ounces, but regret weighs tons. Esau had bitter tears. He was upset. And he was feeling that pain. God did do something with, with Esau. God, God created a nation out of him. He wasn't totally cast to the curb. But in our own lives, we're here today not to think about all of the mistakes of the past and what could have, should have been. We're here to think about where God is leading us into the future and the choices that we can make now. Because we can't do a thing about then, but we can't choose about the future. Now, put this in the little box on the side of your notes if you have this. There's four danger zones, and, e and Esau demonstrates this, and I just thought I'd mention this. They use this in counseling and in a recovery, and it's the acronym HALT. Because a lot of times those things that we do that we wish we wouldn't have done are really when we're in this danger zone. It's, it's this, simply hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. When we get into these danger zones in our lives, we're prone to make these choices for now. Choices that we'll regret. Choices and things that we'll do that we wish we wouldn't have done. When we're hungry, I mean, this was Esau. He was hungry. Man, where's the food? I don't care. Uh, you know, there's a whole commercial. Hey, you're not you when you're hungry, right? You need Snickers, right? If they, you just got a Snickers, who knows what his life would have been, you know? He could have had a whole different life. But he was not him when he was hungry. Chewbacca turned crazy. Uh, so, so when we're hungry, sometimes we snap, we're angry, and it's not just physical hunger. Being hungry or, where things are lacking in our life, things are missing that we need. And so we, we, we run to things that are not going to satisfy, even though we realize there's, there's an, an ache, there's a missing piece. A lot of times people do things because they're really missing God in their life. They're missing a relationship with their creator. They're hungry for something, and they're searching for all these different things that don't satisfy, that lead them down all these paths. And as believers, as Christians, we need to be the people that can speak into that space. When you see somebody at work, when you see a family member, a friend, not, not judgmentally, not condemning them, but saying, you know what, I know something. I know someone that, that can be that help, that solution, that peace that you need. 
We need to be the person that can introduce folks to the one that they're really hungry for. Now, when we're angered, when we're harboring anger inside, we're upset. This can be space where we give the enemy work and we can start making decisions we're going to regret. When we, we hold on to anger, it really wreaks havoc on our own life. And it doesn't, we may be angry at what somebody's done to us, but it, that's not affecting them. It's just affecting us. And we've got to get to a place where we say, God, I give you this anger because I, I cannot hold on to this. This is ruining me. When we're, when we're lonely, when we don't have relationships, when we're, we're just doing life by ourselves, maybe we're surrounded by people, but we don't have really any depth of relationship, we can be susceptible to the enemy. We feel like, well, this will solve this loneliness. This will soothe this. This is what I need. And it doesn't. And, and when we're tired, you could be physically tired. You're just going, 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 working. All you're doing is working, never really uh, getting much rest. Or it could just be you're, you're going so much, you're not recovering. You're not having any peaceful, quiet time. You're not getting alone. You're not getting your mind right. You may get enough, you know, your seven, eight hours of sleep. But if you don't have any time to focus, to meditate, to, to get your eyes on Jesus, you're going to be tired in your soul. Your soul's going to be tired. And so these are the danger zones that we need to be careful of. The final three questions this morning are this. What area of your life, life is lacking discipline? I want us to think about that. What area of your life is lacking discipline? Now, you may come here this morning. You are the most disciplined, structured, organized person on the planet. I want to talk to you after service. Help me out, okay? But what area of your life is lacking discipline? Maybe it's language. Maybe you get caught in gossip or foul languages. And, and James chapter 3 would be a big help because that's just something where I just can't seem to tame my tongue. Maybe it's the thought, your thought life. Um, you have negative thoughts, just, you know, things that take over in your mind. You're worried about this. It's everything going on in your mind. It's just something that's undisciplined. The Bible says to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Maybe it's in, in keeping your word and planning, organizing, following through. It's like you say you're going to do this, but you don't do it. You promise this, but it doesn't happen. And it's just something in your life. I need to let my yes be yes and my no, no. Maybe it's in your sexuality that there's a lack of discipline in that. And, and you don't structure your life so that you can keep yourself pure and, and, and avoiding temptation when it comes. Maybe it's in your health or your diet or your exercise. It's just something that you've let it go. You're like, McDonald's, McDoubles, I'm there. I got this. And it's not going to be good, I promise you. Maybe it's a commitment to your uh, relationship that's, that's important, that's, that's, that you're responsible for. Maybe it's your marriage or with your kids. So busy going here, there, and, and you haven't had any discipline and put any focus on that relationship. It's easy for us married couples to do that. We get busy, we do this, and that relationship gets pushed all the way to the end where we talk and we, we chat, but it's all about calendar and it's all about who's doing this, who's doing that. We don't spend time investing in one another, loving one another, lifting each other up. We gotta, we gotta be disciplined. We gotta make time and carve that out for them. Maybe it's your spiritual habits, prayer, Bible reading, tithing, worshiping, gathering to church on Sunday, serving others, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. But what area of your life is, is lacking in discipline? You may not be falling apart completely, but you're saying, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, I'm falling behind here a little bit, and I need, I need to get back on track. How do you build this one? Question number two, and I, I wrote this here, one day at a time. If, you're, if your life is not disciplined at all right now, you're not going to become super disciplined tomorrow. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, it takes something one day at a time, uh, one win at a time, one success at a time. You, you can't build it in a moment. It takes time. 
snowballing from small wins to greater. So as you look at your life and you're saying, you know what, I want to start exercising. You know, well, I'm going to wake up at four and I'm going to start, you know, all week. You know, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a thousand pushups, Herschel Walker style. I'm going to start, I'm going to do it. Well, you got to start with small wins. You're not going to be Herschel Walker doing a thousand pushups. You've done zero in the last 20 years. You know, you got to start with a small win. How about two pushups? Okay, you won. And do three tomorrow and four the next day and work your way up. You got to start with small things and snowball. And, and here's the thing about discipline. Discipline in one area a lot of times will impact the other areas of our life. So rather than saying, man, I got all this stuff, man, so I got to get stuff straight. Start focusing on a few things. Don't focus on everything because you can't. Focus on a few things and let God help you with those things. That will begin to impact the other areas of your life. And in community, not isolation. I know this. My wife started going to this workout group in the morning. And... Uh, She's better than me because I was going for a little bit and I quit it. But she goes and she wakes up at 5.30 or something and goes to this Lexington FIA workout thing where these women get together and work out or whatever. But I think one thing she's told me that really helps her is that she's she got two other ladies that, that come, you know, pick each other up. So you know someone's coming to get you. So if you're not up, you know, they're going to tell you. And so you don't want to look bad. You don't want to be. And there's positivity in that. That's positive encouragement. So when you have community, sometimes you will build discipline in your life that you wouldn't have done all by yourself. Sometimes that might be the missing element in your life. It's just that community. Like you have that want. That I really want to be here. I, want, I know I do. But I just have nobody helping me along the way. I have nobody to encourage me when I feel down. And when I, you know, I don't want to push through the difficult times. Because it's not always easy. So, so who's that person? Who's the, who are the people that can be that be in your life, to be that community of, of, of discipline. And finally this, and then Kyle, if you come at this time, I just want to spend a, uh, spend a second on this final question. What do you really want most? What do you really want most in your life? Kyle's going to uh, just play a little bit of music in the background. I want to give us two or three minutes to meditate on that question. What do I want most? God, what do I want most? If someone were just to observe my life from afar, what would they say I really want most? How would they view my priorities? How would they view what I'm doing? And would that speak to what I truly want most in my life? Sometimes we don't take enough time to think about that because we're so going and busy and I get that. But this is the time we can take two or three minutes and let the Lord speak to us. What, what is it that I want most in my life? Is it to really please Jesus, to follow him? Is it to, I mean, all the things we've mentioned, what is that thing that I want most in my life? And, and if you come, if you can nail it down, write it down on your paper. So let's take, let's take a couple minutes here together. If you want to bow your heads, that's, that's great. If you want to move out from your seat, that's fine too. We're going to just try to get alone with God and let him speak to us.